And welcome. It's wonderful to be here today. I hope you're excited to be here. It's a great new song we're learning there. And today uh, we're going to be talking uh, about our spiritual growth. And over the last several weeks, we've been talking about kind of who we are as a church. And we uh, spent a week or so talking about worship, uh, actually a week or so a week uh, about worship and, and how we need to live a, a life devoted uh, to responding to the glory and the majesty of our Heavenly Father uh, and show Him and represent Him before others. Uh, we, we spent some time last week uh, talking about connection and how we're connected to one another, that all of us can't be an ear because then we couldn't see or walk um, or do lots of other things, and how we need each other. And that's one of the main reasons that we get involved in Sunday school classes, small groups, so that we can be connected to one another, uh, sharpen one another, join together, and, and live this Christian life together. And this topic we're going to talk about today, invest, uh, is highly related uh, to connection, to, to being connected to one another. Uh, I say all the time when you hear the word invest, you might think this is going to be about money and we need to give a lot to the church. Yes, all that's true, but this is really about investing in your spiritual growth. And I, I'm going to make an investment in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and that investment is growing and developing and becoming more like Christ. And so we're going to talk about that today. And then next week, we're going to talk about serving. Because these four things, worship, connect, invest, and serve, are the strategy for us to live out what God's called us to be as a church. And so when you think about what is your life like in the body of Christ, well, my life should be about worship. And that's not just a Sunday morning thing. Uh, I worship all throughout the week, um, that I, I surrender my life daily, that I honor Jesus Christ with my life and represent him well before others, that I'm connected to other people in the body of Christ, that I have real relationships with one another, and that I, I trust that others have a great function in the body of Christ, uh, just like I have a great function. We all bring value to the kingdom of God, and that I should be walking a little bit closer to Jesus each and every day because I'm going to make an investment in my spiritual life. And my church family is going to walk with me in that. They're going to invest in me as well. And then we're going to serve and give our life away just as Jesus did. And so today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, 1 Corinthians was a letter uh, written by Paul to the church at Corinth, which is in Greece, still there today. Um, and it was actually uh, a tremendous city in ancient Greece. It was one of the most important cities in ancient Greece. So Paul is writing a letter to this young church in, in this important town somewhere around A.D. 51. Now, I don't think any of us were alive then, but that's when the church was established. And if you want to read about that brief, that was a lot funnier than you gave it credit for. Um, in A.D. 51, and that little story is found in Acts chapter 18. And so if you want to see kind of how the Corinthian church started, Acts chapter 18 is where that is. And Paul himself, when he established the church, spent a year and a half there. And then he left. And he was there with, with Silas and Timothy, and they established this church in this, for that day, large city of about 500,000 people. 
And this is city, as you might imagine, it's on the coast. It's a trade city. So it is a melting pot of merchants, of immigrants, of sailors, of athletes. There was a, a big uh, games, kind of an Olympic games, kind of a precursor Olympic games type thing that went on there. So you had athletes. And when you have athletes, you have gamblers. So there were gamblers, merchants, sailors, immigrants, slaves. There were freed slaves who had gone there and they had, because they had been freed, they had nowhere to go. So they go to this port town uh, trying to find their way. It, it was kind of a freewheeling city, maybe Galveston of the 20s, right? That's kind of the, the idea that you get from this Corinth. You have every kind of person and every kind of religious or non-religious background in one city in a big city. And so Paul and Silas and Timothy are there for a year and a half, and then they leave, and now Paul is writing a letter back to them. And in 1 Corinthians 3, he, the, the whole book is really kind of a stern, get your act together book. So just, I'm warning you, it's not like, oh, hey, fun, you guys are awesome. No, it's like, let's, let's grow up here a little bit. So that's the context. That's the, the theme, grow up. Well, it fits perfectly for invest, right? We need to grow in our faith. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But I, brothers, this is Paul writing, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Old translations say babes. There's a different connotation today. As infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food. For you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for it. For you still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Paulus, are you not being merely human? We're going to stop right there. For, but I, brothers, in our modern translation, we would add and sisters to that. But I, brothers and sisters, could not address you as spiritual people. Paul is addressing people who follow Jesus Christ. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. These are people who have made a commitment to Jesus Christ. They have helped establish the church. But you can be a Christian and still not be very spiritual. And that's the issue here in Corinth. And that's the issue in a lot of places in the 21st century as well. True in the first century, true in the 21st century. There's a lot of people who can claim the name of Jesus, but they're not very spiritual. They haven't grown. They're part of the family of faith, but, but they've never made it past that kind of first step of faith. When he came to them in that missionary journey and they received Christ as Savior, they understood, right, because he taught them the, the very basics, the very foundation of what it means to follow Jesus. Number one, you need to understand there's a God, a creator, of heaven and earth, and that God loved you so much 
That despite your sin, despite your rebellion, despite the fact that you were God's enemy, he sent his one and only son, his only begotten son, to this earth. God in the flesh to live perfectly and then ultimately to die on a cross, to shed his blood for your sin. To die for you in your place because your sin should have led you to death, but instead it led Jesus to death. And so his blood covered your sin, a once and for all sacrifice. For the Jews who were in that audience, they would understand a once and for all sacrifice. There was no more yearly sacrifice. For the Gentiles, they understand that Jesus paid the penalty that I could not pay. And then the greatest part of that story is that after three days, he rose from the dead. He beat death. He conquered death so that you and I could also conquer death. That's the message that Paul shared with them over and over and over again on his missionary journey to them when he was establishing the church. It's the message that you and I have to receive by faith, that God loves me so much that even in my rebellion and sin against him, he sent Jesus to die for me, to pay the penalty of my sin. And he rose on the third day so that I could also rise again one day and spend eternity in heaven. And so I place my faith in him and him alone. That's the ABCs of following Jesus. That, that's the basic, that's the foundation. And that's what Paul did on his missionary journey. He's, he's bringing them into the body of Christ by sharing with them the message of salvation. And so they're babies in Christ. They're infants. Just like we at one point, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've placed your faith in him, you have a beginning. We call it new birth, a new life, new creation. The Bible has all kinds of phrases where we talk about what it means to follow Jesus, but we all have a beginning to our spiritual story. The challenge is sometimes we don't ever have a middle or an end to our spiritual story. It just sort of stays in chapter one. And that's what Paul's getting at here. Like, guys, let's get out of chapter one. Let, let's, let's grow. We have to take steps towards maturity. And oftentimes what happens when I see people come to faith in Christ, it's kind of a tale of two worlds. In, in some cases, it's this radical transformation. And some of you, that's your story. That, that you were living this life that was sort of leading you straight to hell, and you, you knew it, and you embraced it. You're like, yeah. You know, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll story. That, that's some of you. And, and God did a radical transformation in you, and you turned 180 and like, okay, I'm, I'm done with that. Like, it's, it's completely different. Life turned around. But for some of you, like me, uh, you, you were on a pathway to hell, you just didn't know it, because you were pretty good, you went to church some, you, you were a moral person, like, oh, hey, this isn't so bad. And, and so your life maybe didn't look radically different after you came to faith in Christ, but you still had a bunch of struggles, because maybe you didn't recognize the, the giant chasm that had been crossed for you. And so you still struggled with things. You still 
wanted to perform. You still wanted to do things out of legalism. Or you just sort of kept living life as it was because you were pretty good already. And what we have here is a group of people in Corinth who are young in their faith, but they're still being pulled, like some of us are pulled often, by the things in their past. And they can't make it to the next step in their relationship with Christ. There's a maturity issue. These are young believers still struggling with their faith. They're still living not by faith, but by flesh. Not by the Spirit, but by their own intellect and wisdom. And perhaps they're still wanting to be spoon-fed like babies do. Because you, you were a baby once. And some of you have kids. Uh, some of you even have grandkids. And so you know what spoon-feeding is all about. It's an exciting time. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity for growth in your own life. Because here you are with that infant and you take the, the baby food and, you know, these days there's a thousand kinds because we've got to be super healthy. And it wasn't, Gerber's no longer good enough, right? It's, you've got to have the organic and blah, blah, blah. And so you take the spoon and you, you do your very best to get, number one, that infant to want to receive the apple, zucchini, kale mix. <laughs> Superfood for my two-month-old or maybe five-month-old. Uh, and, and you do your best and you get to the airplane and all this and you, you do all these things so that that child will eat to grow strong and healthy. But inevitably, what do they do? You get it close and they knock it away. Or, or they get it in there and then it's like, oh, kale, wonderful. And they spit it out. It's mostly on them, oftentimes on you, all over the tray, everywhere. I, I wonder if that isn't us sometimes in our faith. That God's trying to teach us something. That God wants us to learn. He wants us to grow. And he's put people in our lives, whether that's a, a friend or a Sunday school teacher. Maybe that's a, a parent or a child. And, and they're, they're trying to teach us something to help us take the next step of faith. And we're battling the spoon fed. Or they're just laying back like, man, this is a life. Can you imagine a five-year-old wanting to be spoon fed? That doesn't make any sense. You would make fun of those people behind their back. Because a five-year-old should be able to feed himself, mostly, not perfect. Because you go from the parent trying to put the spoon in the mouth to then allowing the child to hold the spoon to try to put the food in his or her mouth. And normally, the beginning of that is a wild mess. Because they grab it like this, caveman style, and they twist it and turn it upside down. And, and you pray that some of the food stays on the spoon so it actually makes it into their mouth. And then because we're all great parents, we're scraping it off the tray and putting it back on the spoon. 
because it's their own germs. It's not going to hurt them. But, but they do that, and then eventually they get the motion right into their mouth from the spoon. They get that motion right. They get the spoon right side up. And then ultimately they learn actually how to hold a different utensil, or they learn how to hold it the proper way instead of, some of you I know are still learning that. I've gone to lunch with a few of you. I'm just kidding. But they learn to feed themselves. And at some point, they actually don't need you. They want you, but they don't need you because they can feed themselves. And they should feed themselves because they're growing and maturing. Because even young Christians need strong teaching and spiritual maturity. Even those young in the faith need strong teaching and spiritual maturity, just like kids do. Just like when we're growing up as kids, you, you don't just continue to spoon feed them because that's what they want and it's easier. No, even a young child needs to learn the next step of maturity and growth and motor skill. All, all of us need that. And so whether you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for six months or 60 years, we, we, we need to constantly be walking closer to Jesus, taking steps so that we can grow in our faith, so that we can feed ourselves now remember, everyone in this church is a new believer in the church at Corinth. Everyone is new. They didn't have the luxury like we have or people who have been followers of Christ for 50, 60, 70 years. They didn't have that luxury. Everybody is, you know, three years or less. And they understood the basics. They understood that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the crucified Savior. He's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He died for your sins. They, they got that. He was raised three days later. Paul, over and over and over again, drills that teaching into them. But, but that's the beginning. That's hold the spoon teaching. Elementary teaching. It's appropriate for young babies it's appropriate for infants in those early days. Because you don't feed a four-month-old steak and broccoli. That's a bad deal. But a five-year-old can have steak and broccoli. And a two-year-old can eat noodles. There's, there's something to be said as we think about our spiritual growth and how we walk close to Christ, there, there are steps that we can take. There's things that we can be a part of. At a certain point in our faith, we have to begin to dive deeper, feed ourselves and equip ourselves with the truth of God's word, with what it means to follow Christ with all of who we are. Unfortunately, the church at Corinth, again, they're not a 63-year-old church. 
They're a young church. And Paul is giving them a stern warning that after two, three, four, five years, you should be further along than you are. After three or four years, not, not 30 years, not 22 years, not 64 years, no, three or four years. You, you should be moving beyond that. You shouldn't be battling these things that, that the world is throwing at you the way you are. You, there, there's a sense in which your growth, because of the power of Christ that lives in you, you have the Spirit of God living in you, resurrected power to resist sin and death. You have it. And so let's get off the baby food. Unbelievers have the excuse. People who are outside the faith, they have an excuse. They don't have the Spirit of God living in them. And Paul is warning them, like, you have the Spirit and you're acting like unbelievers. Stop. Grow up. Begin to eat solid food. That's what I'm trying to give you and you're not ready for it because you're still immature. And so, no matter how old or young you are in the faith, no matter our spiritual age, we're called to live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. To live by the Spirit, he's calling them to live by the Spirit, to resist the things that the world throws at us and kind of distracts us from. That's what it is. It's all about distraction. Even in the ancient world, it's about distraction. Their distractions were the same but different. It's the same distractions. We have just different tools by which we're distracted. Ours come on a screen. Theirs were in the front, in the street. We all have distractions because their behavior was an indicator of their maturity. Hmm. Is our behavior an indicator of our maturity? That like cuts to the heart for me. Because there are some times that I think about in recent history where I've been out and about and I've said something or done something in the public arena and thought afterwards, not in the moment. Hmm, I hope nobody saw that. I hope nobody was really listening to what I said today. Because I acted like an unbeliever. Now, I wasn't cussing somebody out or getting drunk, people, so just, you know. But, like that, that's not the right reaction. And in their case, for the Corinthians, there's a lot of it was about favoritism, because they had some favorites. I know none of us have favorites, but they had favorites, and, and they were, those favorites were creating jealousy, right? I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. And one commentator points out how he uses the word flesh in this passage several times. And there's actually a little nuance uh, as the passage progresses in how we might interpret that word. That at the beginning, in verses 1 to 3, he's talking about being fleshy. F-L-E-S-H-Y. Fleshy. You know, fleshy. Like a person of the flesh. Like human and you're acting like a human, 
You're acting unspiritual because that's who you are. You're fleshy. But then, as he moves down in verses 3 and 4 at the end, the nuance change is like fleshly with an L-Y on the end. Uh, You can't help that you're human. You can't help it. That's fleshy. But acting fleshly, you can help. Because in those moments, it's when we're living by the flesh and not by the Spirit. And that's what Paul is getting at here. Are you characterized by the flesh? Does your behavior and your actions and your words demonstrate living by the Spirit or living by the flesh? And for them, it was griping and quarreling. It was favorites. I want to follow this guy. No, I want to follow this guy. For us, maybe it's armchair quarterbacking. I want to do it differently. Or if they would just do it my way. Or how come we can't? Or why do we? And that's what Paul's getting at. The difference between fleshy and fleshly. In our context today, maybe God would speak to us and say, It's time to get off the couch. You've had an excuse for 18 months to be lazy. It's time to stop being lazy. It's time to pursue your heavenly father, to live out what God's called you to be. Perhaps he would say to us, it's time to, Grow up and quit being distracted by shiny objects. And in our immediate world, there's lots of shiny objects to distract us. Lots of shiny objects. It's time to make an investment in your spiritual growth and no other time in history is there greater access to the things of faith than where we live now. No greater time. We have access to millions and millions and millions of sources. We can access this book in dozens of ways. And yet, in the era where it's most easily accessible, we access it the least. Maybe God would tell us. Pull up the Bible app instead of Facebook. Spend 20 minutes in prayer rather than scrolling through memes or sending emails to your buddies about how you don't like the government. The Lord's calling us to grow and be spiritually mature. And just about everyone in this room you meet the three or four year mark of faith. Almost every one of you. And God's calling us to access the power that he has. And rather than prioritize the athletics, the academics, the fine arts, our kids' and grandkids' success, Should we prioritize our spiritual growth? 
and becoming more like Jesus Christ. That's the calling. That's what investment means. My spiritual life is important. My relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing I have. I want to connect to the body of Christ so that we can grow together. But unfortunately, in this era, I'm not growing. Maybe because I'm lazy. Maybe because I'm distracted. Maybe because I've prioritized the wrong things. Maybe it's because you offend easily and easily offend. That's our culture. That's the world we live in. Offend easily and easily offend. Everyone is offended these days. Everyone. And God's calling us to live differently. We are new creations designed to live supernaturally. So let's do it. We are new creations designed to live supernaturally. And so let's live differently, growing, diving into our relationship with Christ, connecting with others. Because receiving Jesus Christ, experiencing the new birth that we have through Jesus is wonderful. It's amazing. It's life-changing. But I have to every day surrender to the Spirit of God so that I can be more than just spoon-fed, so that I can begin to feed myself, so I can dive into the Word of God so I don't sin against my Heavenly Father or sin against you. I want to be confident enough in my faith that when I'm questioned about things that I have an answer. It may not be a perfect answer. It might not be a well-composed answer, but I have an answer to my faith and why I believe what I believe. If you're not around people who would question your faith, let me encourage you to get around people who will question your faith because it will help you grow. But I want to be confident I want to be the person that when they ask someone to pray out loud, audibly, where others can hear, I want to say, yes, I can do that because I have confidence in my faith because I know that praying is just simply talking to God. And there's no magical class in seminary that teaches you how to do it. No, it's because I have a strong relationship with my Heavenly Father that I can talk to Him just like I talk to my friends and my family. I'm confident in my faith. I can explain what it means to follow Jesus Christ. That little three-minute deal at the the beginning, you could say something like that. God loves you. And though you rebelled against him, he died for you because he loved you so much. He paid the penalty you couldn't pay, and then he rose from the dead so that one day you would defeat death also. That's how you follow Jesus. And then you get to be spoon-fed for a little bit, and eventually you're going to hold a spoon yourself and dive deep. Man, what a great life this is. You're going to connect with other people who believe the same thing and are on the same mission and path. And so let us be confident in my Savior Let us be confident in our Savior so that we will grow, become more like him. And as we grow and as we respond, our behavior begins to match our maturity. People in the church and outside the church will say, hey, what's going on with you? Well, you you didn't blow up at 
Sam, the lazy worker today? Well, you know what? I've been learning what it means to be angry and not sin. I've, I've learned what it means to love everyone. I've learned what it means to have grace and wisdom because I'm growing in my faith with Jesus Christ. Do you have a relationship with God? Do you think about those things? God will open door after door after door for you. Like, they'll just, he'll just hand it to you on a silver platter where you can express those things to others and help them grow spiritually. Maybe they're a babe in Christ, or maybe they haven't even been born again yet. What an opportunity. And so may you and I live supernaturally by the Spirit and not just in a human way, as Paul says, fleshly. That takes some responsibility for us. So let's be people who grow and mature to bring honor and glory to our Heavenly Father. Will you pray with me?